so we're in the middle of a series, which we've had a bit of a break from because we've been out and about and doing a whole bunch of things, called Awaken. And I'll talk a little bit about that as we go through today. But what I want to talk about today is awakening or waking up to forgiveness. So waking up to the idea of forgiveness. Now, Martin Luther King, who was kind of had like a, a PhD in forgiveness, I mean, that guy was incredible. He said, forgiveness is not an occasional act. It's a permanent attitude. It's not an occasional act. It's a permanent attitude. So how does that play out? Well, many, many years ago, it was mum's birthday. It wasn't she? was just, she's had many since. But this particular one, and I bought her a present, and I was really stoked with the present. It was good. I, it was so good, I can't remember what it was. Um, and it was just like, this, this is the present. Like, this is going to beat everybody else's present. This one, whoo, mum's going to be so pumped, so stoked, so thankful. This is going to be amazing. And so I wrapped it. I even wrote on the card. I'm not a big fan of card writing. Um, I don't mind getting them. I just don't like writing them. Um, So I even wrote on the card, stashed it on the bed. The big day came. Really excited. Went through the whole day. Mum didn't mention it once. Not a single mention. It was like the best present she could ever get. Not, Not a single mention. Didn't cover it once. Nothing. Went to bed that night a little bit puzzled. Doesn't make sense. Mum's pretty thankful. Pretty gracious. She's probably listening to this recording, shaking her head right now. Um, and so I, I committed the next day I would ask her, confront her. You know, we talked about confrontation, not condemnation. I thought I'd confront her and just see what the deal was. So I woke up early, got up, mum got up. I said, mum, mum, it's just a bit surprised yesterday. Like, I know you had a wonderful day in that. You know, that present I got you, I was a bit surprised you didn't say anything about it. Like, it doesn't matter. I was just surprised that you weren't thankful. You didn't say, wow, that's great. And she said to me these words. She said, what present? And I realised it was still under the bed. <laughs> so I went and got the present, which was still under the bed, and I gave it to her, and it didn't quite have the bang pizzazz I thought it would have because I forgot her entire birthday um, about this. And I was reflecting on that. You see, mate, it didn't... Mum was just like, it doesn't matter, it's, it's no big deal. Because, because a parent to the kid in that scenario just has an attitude, a permanent attitude of forgiveness. It, it doesn't matter. Thank goodness. <laughs> in fact, she probably didn't remember it until I reminded her on the recording and it's going to be bad now. Sorry, Mum. Anyway, what about though when the grievance is far worse? What about when, when it's much harder, when something happens to us it is much more difficult. What about when our rape reputation gets trashed? And, and we're actually innocent, but, but things happen out there that we... That's not, that's not fair. What about when others intentionally hurt us? Well, that happens from time to time. How, how do we handle that? What about when there's been abuse? What about when we've been deeply betrayed or deeply rejected? Or when we've had lots of money stolen from us? What about when our freedom has been oppressed? What about then, if forgiveness is not an occasional act, but a permanent attitude, how do we do that? Like, how do we do that? Well, did you know that you are very, 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 very unlikely to ever find the strength to forgive one of those things that I've just talked about, or a whole myriad of a bunch of other things, is nearly impossible for you. You're absolutely useless at it. Me too. We're all not very good at it because it's very difficult. It's very hard. And that is completely miserable news, isn't it? You're like, I did not come to church to receive that. 
Thank you very much. And I'll tell you why. I'll tell you why it's difficult. It's difficult because we all carry around one of these. It's the list, right? It's the list. We know the list. The list is long. It has heaps of things on it. It's titled The List of Wrongs Done to Me, right? We all have the list. So, so when that person spread the rumour about me, that's going on the list. I'm holding on to that. Or, well, that group left me out or that person didn't invite me. They don't care about me. That hurts me. That's going on the list. Or, I trusted that person. They betrayed me. I'm putting that on the list. I'm not letting that happen to me again. That, that person used something that I gave to them against me. How dare they? I'm not doing that again. It's going on the list. It's got a big list, see? This is somebody else's list. This isn't my list. That person rejected me. I can't let that happen again. How could I be so stupid? I'm putting it on the list so I don't forget. And we have these lists. And we carry the list everywhere. And we do it to keep safe. Because if we hold on to these things, if we keep these things close to our heart, then surely we won't get hurt again. Surely we will be protected from being vulnerable again. And so we cling to this. And most people never know that we've got the list, right? I mean, now you guys know I have a list. Here's the bad news. We've all got lists, right? We've all got these lists stashed away that we, nobody else would ever guess we have. And we don't want anyone else to know them. But there are a list of all the things that people have done wrong to us that come up from time to time. We go, oh, that, that stirs hurt and pain in me and, and malice and hatred towards somebody. But it's important that I hold on to it so that I'm helped into the future. Now, does carrying around this list foster or even allow an attitude of forgiveness to develop? Can we possibly cultivate an attitude of forgiveness if we hold on to the list? Well, no, because it influences everything. We don't even realise it and it influences everything. I, got a, I, I, met a, I had a friend who a long time ago, um, some, uh, I, I met one of his friends or one of his acquaintances and I was sharing with, with him about this third person saying, he seems like a, a top bloke. And, and the friend says to me, oh, no, 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 don't trust him. I'm like, why not? And, and he just simply says, he's not a good guy. And I'm like, well, if you're not, if you expect me not to trust him, I need a little bit more than that. Why? He's just, he can't be trusted. He's, he's not safe. He doesn't respect anything. Stay away from him. And I wasn't satisfied. And so I pushed deeper. I said, no, 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 you, you tell me what happened. You can't say that sort of thing about people. Tell me what happened. He took a big sigh. I was like, <sighs> I said, okay, so a long time ago, he wanted to borrow a power tool off me. And so I lent him the power tool, no problems. And then he denied ever having the power tool. And I asked for it. I knew he had it. And he, he wouldn't give it back. And I needed it for a job. And that job, I had to borrow something else. And it just went on and on and on. And then one day, the power tool that I lent him turns up on the front door with no thanks, no, no gratitude, no nothing, and it was broken. You can't trust him. So we just stuck it on the list, right? He put it on his list, tucked it in his pocket. I need to protect myself from future that's going on the list. And this guy, my friend, was so bitter and so captured 
by this ridiculous kind of event. It wasn't ridiculous to him, but us looking at it going, really? There's got to be far worse things you can tie yourself up in knots about than that. But he was so caught up in this. And so I'm left with this thought of, well, what do I think about the guy that borrowed the power tool? Because I'm basing my judgment off this guy's list. And then I'm thinking, oh, do I ever want to borrow anything off him in case it didn't actually go down like that? So then I'm starting to live my life according to his list. Like my list is bad enough, but now I'm living according to his list. It's like, this is awful. You see, the things we carry around, they influence and affect everything. Now this series is called Awaken. It's called waking up to the things God wants us to see. Waking up to the whisper of God. Waking up to the leading of the Spirit. Waking up to the things God wants us to know. And this list is like a sleeping pill that we take that makes us dull to the things God wants us to be alert and sharp to because we get caught up in this stuff and not caught up in God's stuff. And God hates the list. He hates the list. He died to pry that list out of our hands. He is angry that the list has more influence over us than his love. So what if instead of keeping the list, we kept an eraser? Rub stuff off the list. People put stuff on our list all the time, right? But instead of entertaining it, tucking away in our pocket and keeping it safe for when we might need it, what if we just... Rub it off. You see, that's a pretty good idea, right? But it's not my idea. That's God's idea. In Ephesians 4.31, Paul says, Get rid of, erase, all bitterness, rage and anger, brawling and slander, along with every form of malice. Be kind and compassionate to one another. To, To the one another who have created, caused us to rage with bitterness and anger and brawling and slander. Be kind and compassionate to them. Forgiving each other as Jesus has forgiven you. Let go of it. Erase it. You hurt me, but you're forgiven. You stole from me, but you didn't take anything from me. It all belonged to God in the first place. You're forgiven. You lied to me, but it doesn't matter because I know the one who calls himself the truth. And that's all that matters. The result is a list which can make a huge difference. In your life. You see, there is enormous freedom if you live with an attitude of forgiveness. If you get rid of all bitterness and rage and anger and boiling and slander along with every form of malice. But how do you just get rid of it? How do you do that? Yeah. Yeah, it's good, Kaz. It's good. Because we need the strength to do it, right? Because we haven't got that strength. Like if it was left up to us, like I, I, I don't think I can forgive that. I don't know how to. I wish I could let go of that. And we have to trust in something else rather than the list that we're trusting in. So how do we do that? Well, the second part of the verse that we just looked at leads us into a different way of thinking about forgiveness. This, the second part is Ephesians 4.32. It's the very next verse. This is be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other just as Christ has forgiven us. See, what we find impossible at times to do for another, forgive them, it's already been done extravagantly for us by Jesus. What we hold back from another, God has given us 
more than we could ever, ever imagine. See, not only did Jesus' forgiveness swallow up all of our sin, it also swallows up all of the sin done to us. See, ultimately, Jesus exchanged, exchanges lists. He takes this list with us and says, I've got it. I'll take care of that list. You don't worry yourself with that list anymore. In fact, it's mine to avenge. I will repay. He says that in Romans 12, 19. That's, that's mine now. You belong to me. The list belongs to me. It's mine. It's not even yours. The things you want revenge for, the things you want payback for, the hurt, they're mine. I will take care of it. So I'll take your list. And you can have my list to carry around. It's big, oof, it's on God's list. That, that might be an exciting list to, to kind of live by. And, and it's living on this new list that's given us that we need to remember, that, that we can hold against others who wrong us. Right? We still get to do that. Listen to what we get to hold against others who wrong us. It's Ephesians 1.7. In him we have redemption through his blood. The forgiveness of sins in accordance with the riches of God's grace. You just get to hold God's grace against them. See what happens. See what happens to them and see what happens to you. In him, in Jesus, we have redemption. We are saved. We are redeemed from that. Through his blood, the forgiveness of sins in accordance with the riches of God's grace. Every time we, we are hurt, we have a decision to make. Into what do we jump? Into what do we reside? Because in him, in Jesus, when we're in Jesus, we have redemption through his blood. In Jesus, we have the forgiveness of sins in accordance with the riches of God's grace. So when we're hurt, do we jump into Jesus or do we jump into bitterness? Do we jump into bitterness? You see, in Jesus, we find our freedom from wrongs done against us because Jesus says, those things now belong to me. I will sort it out for you. Trust me. And then he gives us his grace. Our wrongs are righted by God. On the other hand, when we hold on to our lists, we discover that we are prisoners of bitterness. We are prisoners of those lists. They haunt us. They follow us everywhere. Every time we think of that person or that situation, there's that, that list again. And I wish I could be free. I wish I didn't feel this way. But I do. And Jesus says, oh, no, no, that's my list you got hold of there. It's not yours. It's mine. Give it back. Give it back. So who do we look to to have our wrongs righted? Because when we get hurt, we look to the other person, right? You better right the wrong you've done. You better fix this problem. You better make it all right. Forgiveness is all about that. Who do, we, who do we look to? Because what if the other person doesn't care? Or what if they don't remember? Or what if they're too hurt to come to the party? Or what if they're gone? We, we find ourselves longing for justice and it escapes us because of the other person. But when we turn to Jesus and we say, Jesus, I need you to right these wrongs, we find rest and relief from our bitterness. We are relieved of that burden. So I want to give you a picture to kind of help, help kind of ground all this. Think of it like this. Let's say Jesus has in his hands all this forgiveness. 
And, and, and we, we want that forgiveness. We don't have the power to forgive, but we know God has a forgiveness that has some extra power than us. So we go to Jesus and we hold out our hands and we say, God, can I have your forgiveness? And God starts to pour it into our hands, right? Until it's overflowing, until there's no room to hold anything that was on our list before. Until we have to let go of all the bitterness, all the wrong done to us, all the injustice. Because that cannot take up our hand space when we want God's love and God's forgiveness. So God pours his forgiveness into our hands. And then we find ourselves just holding God's forgiveness. And we don't, we're not holding on to any of that other stuff anymore. Like, wow, there's relief from this. This is amazing. Wow. This is incredible. In fact, this is unbelievable. Others have to have this. If I've been given this, I don't deserve this, then I can share some of this around. And as we share it around, as we give it to others, God keeps pouring it into our hands. But the minute we take hold of a hurt or a bitterness or something that's been done wrong to us and we we treasure that, there's, there's no way for us to hold the forgiveness that God gives us. So it's this trust of, huh, do I trust that your forgiveness, God, is greater than the hurt I've received? And as we receive this forgiveness, we can start giving it to others. So why would we do that? So we get this forgiveness from God. Why would we give it to others? Because it's been so incredible that we have been forgiven that others must know this. And the most rewarding people to offer that to is the people that have hurt us. The people that least deserve it. That's who God gave the forgiveness to, right? The people who least deserve it. Us. We don't deserve it. God says, ah, it doesn't matter. This is going to be even more sweet. And he gives us his forgiveness. He says, go experience the same thing. Experience the same thing. Forgive out of my love. I know you haven't got enough love in you. Do it out of my love. Because we only have this one thing on our list, right? We can do that. Because the one thing on our list is in Jesus, we have redemption through his blood for the forgiveness of the sins of sins in accordance with the riches of God's grace. And because of this, there's no room for anything else. And so, the message had been written to that point. And then this morning happened for me. And I hate preaching about things I'm not very good at. I love preaching about, I don't know, I don't know what I am good at, but I love preaching about whatever that is. But oh, I hate preaching about fasting too, yeah. <coughs> I can't think of what I do love preaching about, having said that. <laughs> so I got a text message this morning. Phone beeps, text message from a friend I haven't heard from in a while. And in it, the friend says something that causes me to think or realise that the journey of forgiveness I've been on with someone completely separate has not come to its full completion yet. I thought it was. I thought we got there. And the text comes through and I'm like, oh, it's still written on my list. I thought I'd have raised it. It's still written on my list. Now, the person that texts me has no idea of this context at all and no idea of the, the, the connection here. It was completely innocent. They weren't in the wrong at all. They were just sharing something that triggered a bunch of stuff for me, right? So in pastoral ministry, you just you get battered around a bit and it was some of that stuff from way back and it came back and I'm like, oh, and I've got to preach on this. This is awful. Is this your doing? This is rubbish. And so I, I went to my study and I pulled open my Bible and I got out my journal, I started writing and I'm trying to work all this stuff out. I'm like, God, what is written on the list? What, what do I have to get rid of? What, what is that? And I'm drawn to Romans 12, 19. 
Now, the preceder of Romans, of Romans 12 is this idea of live so uniquely for God that other people see God in you. Like, allow for God just to work through you. Um, and then verse 19 says this, this is the whole thing. It says, do not take revenge, my dear friends. Because when we're hurt, right, we want to take revenge. Do not take revenge, but leave room for God's wrath. <laughs> I like that. Yep. It's going to be way worse than my wrath. For it is written, it is mine to avenge. I will repay, says the Lord. Now, I didn't remind myself of the truth of this verse this morning that I knew. And the truth of the verse is, and what does God's wrath look like? And what does God's repayment look like? Well, I know what it looks like to me. It's to see me through Christ and what he did on the cross and to forgive me. But at the time, I was feeling pretty good about this, right? About what God was going to do. And I sat there and this thought drops into, it was kind of dropped onto my page. And it was this, I wrote it down, here it is. It says, the wrong done to me is no longer mine to hold on to. The wrong done to me is no longer mine to hold on to. It doesn't belong to me. It belongs to God. It's not mine anymore. And then my mind flashed to my two kids. So you would have seen Zari singing up here today and Hamish just headbutting everything. Um, so Zari's four and Hamish is two. And sometimes when, when Hamish has something amazing, Zari will claim it for herself. So she will take it off Hamish and celebrate the fact that it's hers, right? And you see this going on. And so I'll engage with Zari. I'll say, you, 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 that's, uh, give me it here. And often, uh, yeah, you'd like to think she's obedient. She is very independent, which I love sometimes. Um, I said, you need to give it here. And we have this, this conversation that never results in me getting it. And so then I go to grab it. And we're having this tussle, this, this, this wrestle with this thing, whatever it is, um, that belongs to Hamish. It doesn't even belong to Zari. And then I say to Zari, I go, you know, this doesn't even belong to you. And she does this. She goes, huh, yeah, you're right. Let's go. Oh, wow, that's amazing. Give it back to Hamish. And what I realized that God reminded me in this is, we forget to realise stuff doesn't belong to us. We hold on to it until God says, nah, it's mine. It's not yours. You don't own it. It's not yours. You're not entitled to it. Your pain, your hurt, the wrong done to you, it's not yours. That's mine. That's why I died. I died to deal with that stuff. Trust me with it. Give it to me. Let me take it off your shoulders and give you freedom. Because I've got so much more for you. And so this morning, I kind of got a bit of a pretaste of what that experience is like when God does that. But I wanted to create some space for us to have that. For us to realize that the wrong done to you is no longer yours. It belongs to God and he wants it back. And so we were going to watch a video, like have a video play and create some space. But what we might do instead is I'm going to pray for you. And then Ruth and I are just going to dwell over here. And we want to offer prayer for anyone that would like some more prayer about that. And so I realise we talk about this stuff and there's been all manner of things that have happened to us that perhaps nobody else knows. And you've tucked away and you, I talk about lists and you're like, oh gosh, yeah, that's still on the list. I don't know how to deal with that. And we want to pray with you. And may, you might want us both to pray or you might, um, if you're a woman, might want a Ruth to pray or a man, me to pray. That, that, you can just tell us when you get there. You don't even have to share what it all is. It's just an opportunity for, for us to, to meet with you in that space. And so let's pray now.
loving God, you are so good and you are so kind. That your shoulders would, would bear the weight, not just of the sin of the world, but the sin that we carry and the sin that's been done to us. That it's yours. It's not ours and we know how crippling it can be. We know how blinding and oppressive it can be. It can strangle the life out of us. When all we want is to be filled with your life. We just want to taste your life. We don't want to walk around with this stuff. And God, as we sit here today, maybe some of us have never had the experience of you taking our sin off our shoulders. And I pray now we would hear your whisper. That you would speak to us and invite us to give you our sin. And our brokenness. And our hurt. And our regret. And our shame. That we might might give it to you now and offer it over to you. Maybe it's for the first time. Maybe it's for the hundredth time, Lord. But just minister to us in that moment right now. And God, some of us just at the moment cannot see past that person or that situation or that season where we were just so hurt, where things were taken from us or done to us, where our integrity was was threatened, where we made some mistakes or wrong, wrong decisions, where we made ourselves vulnerable and it was exploited where we did nothing but evil was afflicted upon us. God, we, we, we find ourselves stuck in those places. And so, Lord, with the breath of your spirit, free us. Take that from us. Take the pain and the hurt. Take the, the depression, the anxiety, the, the shadow that has been cast over our lives because of that. May, may your sun, may your light just break through that darkness. And may we feel lighter. May we feel the just warmth of your face. May you do the forgiving through us because we're not, we're not capable of it. Jesus, your dazzling victory over death is ours. You did it all for us because of your love for us, for humankind. And so may our hands, as they reach out to you, just be overflowing with your forgiveness. May there be no room for anything else. May you restore and redeem us as you promise. May we fall into your presence and fall into your love and your kindness through what you've done. And if the enemy revisits us with a reminder of what should be on our list this week, God, may, may we just respond. May we respond with the truth of Ephesians 1.7. In Jesus we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins in accordance with the riches of God's grace. And God, may freedom be ours, not only to experience and to have and to cherish, but to offer to others, those who are hurting, those who are far from you, those who are lonely and struggling, those who have hurt us and those who are friends. God, may this message and this gift of your forgiveness be something that lives on and ripples out into this community of Burley as you lead us into it. We ask these things in your powerful and almighty name. Amen.